Oh, yeah. I hope you notice it, too. I notice it, and you notice it. This is what happens when you give God your yes, and we have people who firmly are behind the ministry and are just giving, and you are just trusting that God is going to extend a word to touch your life. Your seeds are making a difference, and I'm just so grateful for all of your giving, all of your contributions where we could do things like enhance our streaming ability until the time happens where we can let everybody in the house. This word on the night, I think this one touched me. You know, there's sometimes when you study and God gives you a word and you're like, oh, this is good. This is good. And other times God give you a word and you're like, oh, ouch. Oh, ouch. God, you want me to preach this or this for me? <laughs> this one feels like it's just a mixture of both, of both of those. It is a gumbo message of God, I feel, just talking to me. And then the word I'm going to allow you guys to hear is because I believe he's also talking to you. So take your screenshot and tag us. We're going to do work tonight from just two verses. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 is where we're going to launch our reading. I had to do the King James Version for this one. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 7. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season you might it's possible. It could. It low-key could happen. That's not what your Bible says. The Bible says we shall. We shall reap a harvest. Here's that word, though. I need everybody to put this in the room in all caps so that you can remember this. If. Put that in the room, everybody. If. 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 If you faint not. I'm trying so hard to calm down because I firmly believe this is just an epiphany word and I've been waiting for you. I understand it now. From reading this passage of scripture, I finally have figured it out. See, the enemy knows I cannot stop God's principles from working. There is absolutely nothing I could do to interfere or interrupt with what God is going to do. I can't interrupt this kingdom key. There is no force. There is no power. There is no devil. And there is no demon in the earth or in the spirit realm that can interfere with this kingdom law. This kingdom code of you will reap a harvest if you faint not. Because if God said he's going to do it, you can take it to the bank. He's going to do it. If God said it's going to happen, that means, rest assured, it's going to happen. Because you and I serve the type of God where he doesn't break promises, he breaks chains. He can break the chain of a stronghold, break the chain of addiction, break the chains in your bloodline. And you have to understand this. Whenever God breaks a chain, it is not just for you. It's to enhance you to be a chain breaker. 
Did y'all hear what I just said? Whenever God breaks a chain in your life, whenever God breaks a chain off your life, it's not just for you. It's so that you can manifest that reality and be a chain breaker for your bloodline, be chain breaker for your friends. See, just like we hear the statement, hurt people, hurt people. I firmly believe heal people, heal people. And just like we can hand down dysfunction from generation to generation, I believe we can hand down healing from generation to generation. But it all starts with you allowing God to break your chain so that you can break other people's chain. Because if God, if he spoke it, he's going to do it. See, you've got to look at it this way. In Hebrews chapter 6, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, the text says, God made a promise to Abraham, and since there was no one greater, he swore by himself. So I believe God is like, okay, Abraham, I need you to understand, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to swear to you. I'm going to keep my promise. So God looked to the left. There's nobody great over there. God looked to the right. There's nobody great over there. He looked up. There's nobody greater up there. He looked down. There's nobody greater down there. There's no one greater. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to swear by myself. He swore to Abraham by myself. Since there is no one greater than me, I promise on me it's going to happen. Can I get somebody put in the room? It's on me. It's on me. I'm going to promise on me that this is going to happen. Because if God makes a decree, it's soon to become your reality. If God makes a call, best believe it's not going to stall. If God makes a call, it's not going to stall because he watches over his word to perform it. Because I want to make sure that my word doesn't return unto me void. So that the word I spoke over your children, I'm watching over that to make sure that becomes a reality. The word I spoke over your marriage, I'm watching over that too to make sure that becomes a reality. The word I spoke about your healing, I'm watching over that too to make sure that that becomes my reality. Who is likened unto our God? I'm just an introduction, y'all. Who is likened unto our God? He stretches out the heavens like a curtain. He knows every single star in the sky by name, knows every hair follicle on your head, every amount of grain of sand on every seashore in the world. Your God and my God are so awesome where his train fills the temple. Now listen, listen, don't just shout over that. Because when I was growing up and I heard people say like that, we would all start shouting, but I don't really know what that means. Your train fills the temple. That's great. What does that mean? I had to exegete that. So then it had a greater understanding. So you have to understand, kings will wear robes. And on their robes, there was something called a train. That is the length of their robe. Like if you have a wedding dress, you could have a train. So in ancient civilization, this is what kings would do. Kings would have this robe, and whenever a king would conquer a kingdom, he would take that king's robe and stitch it on his train. And then whenever he would defeat another king, he would take that king's robe and, and then stitch that king's robe on his train. And then he would go to another kingdom, defeat that king, take that king's robe, and stitch it on his train. So when the Bible says his train fills the temple... What it's really saying is your God is undefeated. Your God takes no losses. He takes no else. He is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. He has no contender. He has no competition. He is in a league of his own. He's in a league of his own. Can I get somebody to put in the room? That's my God. He, he is in a league on his own. So now I understand it. 
All that, man, got me sweating already. <laughs> now I understand that the enemy's like, okay, I cannot stop God's principles from working. Mm. Oh, but maybe I could stop the harvest from coming. I can't stop God's principles from working, but I can stop their harvest from coming if I can get them to faint. So the devil does everything he can to try to get you to fold. He tries to do everything he can to make you quit. He tries to do everything he can to make you throw in the towel. He tries to do everything he can to make you give up. And this is how we have people who say things like that Christianity stuff doesn't work. That, that praying, all that prayer, that doesn't work. I prayed too, none happened. I prayed and my grandmother still died. All that prayer stuff, that don't work. All that fasting stuff, all that, all that stuff doesn't work. Watching this new Dear 2020 series, that's not going to work either. I've been to church my whole life. I read the whole Bible, forwards and backwards, from Genesis to Revelation, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. All that stuff doesn't work. It's not that the word doesn't work. It's that the word only works if you work it. It's not that the word doesn't work. It's that reaped harvest is only for the consistent. Did y'all hear what I just said? It's not that the word doesn't work. It's not that fasting doesn't work. It's not that sermon binging doesn't work. It's not that accountability doesn't work. It's that the word only works for those who are consistent. Reaped harvest is for the consistent. This is how a storm could hit their life and they grow from it. And a storm hits somebody else's life and they don't. How is it one person goes through a storm and they grow from it? And then somebody else goes through a storm and they don't. It's because storms only benefit the planted. <laughs> so good. It only benefits those who have been consistent in a certain area. So for you, it may have been a storm. But for me, oh, this is just watering. I'm not tripping over the thunder. I grow from this. I'm not tripping over people throwing dirt on my name. Because you know what? If you throw dirt on me and I'm consuming the living water, those are all the ingredients I need to grow. Because I have a spiritual photosynthesis thing going on. The sun is shining on me. The sun is shining on me. So you can go ahead and throw your dirt. Life may give me storms. But as long as I have my spiritual photosynthesis going where Jesus is shining on me, I'm going to grow from this. I'm going to come out of this. I'm going to get stronger from this. But the enemy knows you will think God is a liar. And you'll never receive that harvest if I can get them to faint. So God... Would you strengthen our hearts, stabilize our feet to be Christ followers who don't fold, who don't quit. I pray that you anoint me as your oracle, as the PA system of heaven. And it is so in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just say amen. I saw somebody's comment. They was like, listen, the first six minutes took me out. <laughs> that right there just blessed me. God's like, listen, I got a harvest coming for you. You just have to make sure that you don't faint. So, so let, let's, let's speak this confession 
over our life because like I told you, each and every week, I want us to have a confession because I really want us to understand this. For the believer, you don't have four seasons. You don't have four seasons. You have fall, you have winter, you have spring, you have summer, but you also have a fifth season called due season. Now, here's the thing. I know when fall is coming because the leaves are changing colors. I know that winter is coming because some of us, where we are in the world right now, it's snowing already. I know when spring is coming due to the pollen. I know that summer is coming due to the humidity. But how do you know when your dew is coming? You don't. You don't. There is no indicator. You might feel like something's going to happen in your soul, but you really don't know when your dew is due. And you telling me you're going to quit and your due could be in 2021? You telling me you're going to quit and your due could be on Monday? You telling me you're going to quit and your due could be in two weeks from now? Could be in two months from now? You don't know when your due is due. So I suggest, I suggest for you to stay, stay in due process. Whatever process God is having me go through, due process leads me into due season. Everybody wants promotion. Nobody wants the process. So let, let, us, let us say this confession over our life. Can I get everybody to drop this in the room? I have a harvest and it's coming. But Jerry, don't faint. Whatever your name is watching this, Will, Ashley, Brittany, Latoya, Michael, Matthew, whatever your name is, I need you to personalize that statement. Drop it in the room in all caps. I need you to know this, decree this, and declare this over your, over your life. I have a harvest. Oh, and it's coming, but Jerry, don't faint. Don't faint. Family, I would like to just continue the conversation. This is a new series entitled Dear 2020. And for tonight, I want to speak around this thought, around this topic for part two of this series. It's the consistency for me. <laughs> it's the consistency for me. Everybody now is talking about, oh, it's the lights for me. Oh, it's that backdrop, Jerry, for me. Oh, it's that clap for me. Oh, it's some nachos for me. Oh, it's that sweet potato pie for me. How about it's the consistency <laughs> for me? It's the consistency for me. On Thursday, family, I asked you a question. I said, what do you do when God places your faith in the gym? What do you do when God places your faith in the gym and he didn't consult you about what gym you would like he didn't consult you about who and what would be your personal trainer what he would use to develop your faith he didn't consult you about that he didn't consult you about your membership and how long it's going to be and the timing he didn't inform you if we're going to have night sessions if we're going to have midday sessions or we're going to have early morning sessions he didn't consult you uh, even about your contract he just placed you and he just placed me in a situation where our faith has to get some muscle. He placed us in a situation where our faith has to get some muscle. Because one of the things I'm learning about God is God is the only one that enrolls you in a class and you didn't know you were in school until you graduated. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Have you ever learned something and you can look back now on something you learned? And now you're out on the other side of it. Since you graduated from it, you're like, you know what? God was trying to teach me something. 
A lot of us, 2020, it has been a gym for you. And I firmly believe we're going to come out stronger. You may have gotten strength in ways that you didn't want to get strength, but you got stronger. You may not have liked the methodology that God used for your faith to get some muscle. Oh, but you got strength from this because God is the only one that will enroll you in a class. And he won't even tell you that this is a lesson until after you graduate. You know God was teaching you something once you hear the do Then you know, you didn't graduate from being petty. I didn't graduate from clapping back, but you didn't know. And listen, I stated it before, I'm cool with taking tests. I'm fine with it. I just don't like taking the same test. Anybody, can you agree with that? I'm cool with taking tests, but I don't like taking the same test, especially from the same teacher. I'm cool with taking tests, but I don't want to take the same test from the same teacher over the same subject in the same classroom and keep on making the same grade. After a while, I want to pass. Can I get somebody to say pass? I want to pass because there must be more than this. See, this is, why, this is what I don't understand. Why does nobody rejoice over closed doors? I, I really haven't understood it. This is why I went the route I did on Thursday. We've been taught how to shout, but, but do you know how to suffer? I don't understand. And I think this pandemic has shown us all I have been, all I have been taught is hype. That's it. All I have been taught is catchy biblical, biblical slogans, but I have not been given meat. And so we hear sermons about God is going to open the door. Yeah, what about when he doesn't? I'm like, why, why can't we rejoice over closed doors? Because I can't speak for anybody else but myself. But personally, Jerry has arrived to this place where I thank God for closed doors because I don't know what was behind it. I firmly believe somebody watching this message on tonight, you wouldn't be tripping over that closed door if you knew what was behind it. Please hear me. God's yes. God's weight and God's no are all submerged in the same amount of love. I need to say that again for somebody who struggles with that. God's yes, God's weight, and God's no are all submerged in the same amount of love. But the way a lot of us, we can see it like that, you have to stop looking at their social media. Because you can't see how much God is really blessing you and how much he really loves you because you want what they have. You're looking at their page, you're looking at their marriage, you're looking at their ministry, you're looking at how the COVID affected them. You're so busy looking at everybody else. But if you can look to heaven and you can say, God, what muscles are you trying to give my faith? What muscles are you trying to give my vision? What muscles are you trying to increase in my soul? What muscles are you trying to put in my feet so that I can be strong enough to stand against the wind of adversity? So I can be strong enough to stand against temptation? What strength are you trying trying to give me I just firmly believe we have to be focused we have to be focused discipline discipline it's going to take for us to be disciplined and the reason a lot of us struggle with change is because you're interested in change <laughs> you're not consistent with change there's a difference in being interested and being consistent when you're interested you'll do what's convenient when you're consistent, you'll do what it takes. Did y'all hear what I just said? When you're interested, you'll do what's convenient. But when you're consistent, you'll do what it takes. 
You're not always going to have motivation, which is why you have to have discipline. Discipline to pray, discipline to fast, discipline to constantly watch the sermon, discipline for your workout. I have to have discipline because discipline is the diet of the next level. And have you been saying, I want next level, but you haven't been eating like it? Because discipline is the diet of the next level. It enhances my discernment. And when I don't have discernment, even distractions look like opportunities. Distractions look like opportunities. Oh, but when I'm focused and I have discipline, I'm able to discern that that's not an opportunity. It really is just a distraction. Can I get somebody to say discipline? What doubt, what doubt, what distraction, and what deterrent is adding static in the area of your consistency? What is causing for there to be static in your soul that's interfering with your ability to be disciplined? Because I want us to understand this. It also takes discipline to let things go. (sighs) Y'all, this is for somebody. Listen, if you don't let go of what God didn't send, you'll keep on delaying what God is trying to send. If you don't let go of what God didn't send, you'll keep on delaying what God is trying to send. What, dis- what, what distraction, what deterrent, what doubt in your life is adding static in the area of your consistency? There's this weapon, this weapon by the enemy that has been crafted in the blacksmith shop of hell. And it usually goes undetected, not really preached about, because usually when we think about the enemy, we think about it's a weapon of in demonic form and oppression and lies and murder. Those are weapons of the enemy. But there is this, this other weapon that robs our joy, that stops churches from being creative, and it stops us from continuing to push and grind with our side hustle. It is the weapon of comparison. It is the weapon of comparison and it is tied to the spirit of covetousness see listen comparison has caused for us to be people who have perfected our smiles but we bury our pain perfected our smiles but buried our pain and so a lot of us have a lot of knockoff joy because we want to look like we're winning so we'll say things like girl what you talking about i'm off the market you acting like you're happy, but you're really miserable because you're with somebody who's still shopping. That'll hit you on the way home. Comparison. Comparison is the robber of consistency. And you may be watching and say, how, how, does, how does comparison rob your consistency? A lot of us, you quit because you haven't got what they got yet. And so I can't stick with What I'm supposed to stick with, and I can't be consistent in this area because it just seems like they keep winning. And the more they keep killing it, the more they're killing it is killing you. Because comparison, it is the robber of consistency. Comparison robs us of the ability to perceive your season. Did you hear what I just said? Comparison 
robs you of the ability to perceive your season. Like I stated before, it's likened unto two women who are pregnant. One woman is nine months pregnant. The other is nine weeks pregnant. But since she's in labor, you're trying to give birth. You risk having a preemie. God. And there's so many people, they have gifts, but they don't have depth. And in this season, please hear me, God is looking for hearts, not giftedness. I'm looking for hearts that I could use to be an example. Not just your gift. I have a lot of gifts. But I'm looking for hearts. And for you to have a heart that I could hold, it's going to take for you to be consistent in intimacy. Comparison, the robber of consistency. Comparison also causes for us to give do-overs to people who treat us like leftovers. <laughs> you keep on feeding people who only want a, a to-go plate. And then, and then you wonder why you feel so drained, not recognizing it's because you keep handing them the straw. Not because, not because you are cool with what they're doing, but the real issue is i rather look like where relationship goes. I'd rather look like the ministry successful. So I'm going to stay in something that keeps me. Listen, y'all. Listen, this is going to mess you up. There is nothing more cancerous to the soul than for you to be consistent with the counterfeit. Y'all hear what I just said? When you're consistent with the wrong thing. Now, just imagine if you can be consistent with the wrong thing and the wrong crowd. Could you imagine how much more you will be fulfilled if I was consistent doing God's thing? It's amazing how wrong people teach us to value the right things. <laughs> you want to get frustrated? Be consistent with a counterfeit. And if we don't have discernment, a, de a discernment deficiency will cause us to consistently try to fix someone or something that is consistently breaking you. A discernment deficiency will cause us to consistently try to fix something or someone that is consistently breaking you. Because comparison is a robber. The robber of consistency. Comparison robs you of the ability to perceive your oil. Can I get somebody to say my oil? My oil. Because listen, there are levels to the anointing. King Saul got anointed with the flask of oil. David, ram's horn of oil. Jesus, alabaster box of oil. These are levels of anointing. And when if you don't understand your oil, you will try to enter into a room that you don't have oil for. That's not a bad thing. It just means your, room, your, your oil is for another room. And a lot of people are trying to do the same thing because I'm comparing my life to somebody else's success. I really don't, I really don't care about people. I care about crowds and looking as though I'm successful. So I'm going to try to do something that somebody else is doing because comparison robs you of the ability to perceive your oil. Bible all day. God told Moses and the Israelites, y'all go through on dry ground. He didn't tell Pharaoh. Pharaoh and his army, they tried to go through on dry ground and they drowned. This is what happens when you try to follow a word God didn't give you. They have oil for this. Your oil is somewhere else. That's not a bad thing. You just have to discover your room. Did y'all hear me? 
not a bad thing. I just have to discover where my oil is. Comparison is the robber of consistency. Comparison, it is the mother of infertility. It keeps you from giving birth. God, somebody watching this message on tonight, there's a book that you were supposed to give birth to this year. Just because the year is almost over doesn't mean give up. When you finish watching this message, at least write the title, at least the table of contents, because comparison is the mother of infertility. There's a book you were supposed to birth, an album you were supposed to birth. I'm talking to somebody. I feel it. There is a YouTube channel you're supposed to birth, a podcast you're supposed to birth, a ministry you're supposed to birth. Why have you allowed your gifts to go to sleep and you're talking about your board? It's because I haven't gave birth and doubt. And unbelief keeps causing for us to miscarry. I put something on the inside of you, but you keep looking at everybody else, which is robbing you of giving birth of what I put on the inside of you. Comparison, the robber of consistency. Comparison, it is the spawning pool of insecurities. These are the waters where insecurity swims. And somebody, I wonder, have you actually not noticed, maybe the reason you're so insecure is because you think being out of dress code is a problem. (laughs) The reason you're so insecure is because you're the oddball of your family. Just because you're out of code doesn't mean you don't have the gift. A lot of times what God would do is people who are called to be deliverers, people people who are marked to be an example, you have always been seen as weird to everybody else because you have been born a leader and not a follower. It's just the truth. What is odd to culture is normal to kingdom. I made you that way on purpose. Yes, you may be out of dress code with society. That is a good thing because you cannot be the pollution and the solution at the same time. Pick a struggle. God is calling you out where everybody's doing this. Ain't no man gonna wait until marriage. Ain't nobody gonna... Listen, you are called to be God's Example, not the devil's sample. It's okay for you to be out of dress code. And ladies, you're not the only one. There's some men who out here are fighting for purity as well. Just because your boys don't do it doesn't mean that there's a problem with you. You might need to get a new crew. But you need to understand, I may be out of dress code with culture, but I'm not out of dress code in kingdom. I'm not out of dress code in kingdom because this is how ambassadors look. This is how change agents look. This is how water walkers look. This is how miracle workers look. This is how leadership looks. I might be out of code to you, but in the kingdom, I'm well-dressed. Comparison, the robber of consistency. I'm trying to get us to understand. I'm personally in a place I don't have time. I don't have time to be distracted. Is anybody else you're there? I, I don't really have time to hang out with wavering people. Wavering people hand you trauma gift-wrapped as friendship. Wavering people hand you trauma gift-wrapped as friendship. There's too many things I'm trying to break. There's a man I'm trying to become. There's a father I'm trying to be. There's a spiritual leader I'm trying to be. I don't have time to hang with wavering people. I need to be focused. Can I get somebody to drop in the room? 
focused. I need to change. And God bought us with Christ at no charge, but he still expects change back. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? God bought us with Christ at no charge, but he still expects change back. I can't change and I can't be the person that God wants me to be if I keep on comparing myself to everybody else. I can't be the person that God has called me to be if I'm not consistent with where he has placed me to be. I have to be consistent. And it's going to come with a fight. You have to fight to be consistent. You have to fight to get up to pray. You have to fight to get up to fast. It's going to take a fight. But here's the thing. The fight is fixed. The fight is fixed. The only way you don't win is if you don't fight. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you faint not. See, a lot of this stuff that God is doing personally in my life is blowing my mind, absolutely blowing my mind. And I was talking to my sister and my wife about this. Uh, a lot of people, I think, they just make the erroneous, erroneous assumption, not just with me or with anybody else. When God blesses an individual, it's usually because he has been training them in the shadows for decades. 19 years old, coming back. I want you all to see these pictures. 19 years old, coming back and telling my parents, listen, I want to start a youth ministry. I don't really have it all together yet. I'm still kind of searching what I'm supposed to do. But all I knew was God called me, and I want to do something, and I want to make a difference for my generation. Stepping with them, having concerts, dropping albums. I, don't, I was not born to be a, raptor, a rapper. I wasn't. Years later, I'm like, bro, I'm probably still going to drop something because I want to die on E. That might have been something God used in that season. But my heart was, I want to reach your people, serving in the dark. And a lot of people want to be in the spotlight, but you're not faithful in the shadows. What do you do in the season of obscurity? For me, I'm trying to learn God's voice. I'm trying to learn God's voice. It's like an until, like I said before, that, that eagle in the egg. I, 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 need, I need to hear something on the other side of this that's going to convince me to come out. A lot of us, you're in this obscure season because God is trying to get you to obey him even if it's not popular. Why would I give you a stage and a platform and you can't even obey me with the small things? Obey me here. Nobody knows, but I know. Be faithful here. Nobody knows. But I know. And here's the question I think we need to ask ourselves. If you could get away with it, would you still do it? Or have you arrived to this place just because I appear to get away with it with the world doesn't mean I got away with it with God. I have to be faithful in the shadows. I feel like I lost my whole amen section right there because everybody wants this swift and really our generation like uh, millennial generation and generation z we kind of have this issue i think baby boomers have it baby boomers had this mindset we work hard we grind we do it for years we kind of had this mindset i want to do it for two weeks and i want to be and i want to be big i want to make six figures overnight i just want to have quick success because we're used to this drive-through, Amazon shipping, expedited, $4.99 extra to make sure it's here tomorrow by 8 o'clock. We're used to this speed, but that's not heaven's shipping system. <laughs> I feel like it got so quiet. 
Listen, I, I want to show us why we feel as though I'm not seeing the results of this promise. Okay? So this right here, this is going to represent your heart. This is going to represent your mind. And this is going to represent your spirit. So a lot of us are like, man, I tried that prayer stuff. It don't work. <laughs> man, I, I, I tried to fast. It don't work either. Man, you, you know what? I'm, I, I really did. I really did try to do things God's way in that last relationship, and that ain't work. And we're wondering why in the area of our heart, it's still dark. How could there be so much darkness still in my heart? And I read my Bible this morning. How could there still be so much mess in my mind? And I watched the Dear 2020 sermon. I binged the whole Try Me series. How, how in the world is my spirit still liking these things? I prayed and fasted. I prayed and fasted. And if we start to stick with it, we'll see it comes on if you're consistent. If you're consistent, a lot of people just walk away, but if you're consistent with it, if you don't just watch one sermon, but you keep praying, you keep fasting, you keep believing, you keep serving, you keep giving, you keep trying, the areas in your life where you're like, I don't know why it's dark. I tried that. Yeah, but you stopped that. I'm trying to get you to see if you keep praying. If you keep believing, if you keep fasting, if you keep trying, if you keep serving, if you stay consistent, then maybe I'll see the light of the world begin to shine in the area of my heart, in the area of my mind, in the area of my spirit. But a lot of us will never see the light because we're not consistent enough to stick with prayer, to stick with community where it shines. I tried that. That didn't work. That didn't work either. Is it it's not working, or is it reaped harvest is only for those that continue? It's only for the consistent. Maybe that's why the temptation and the struggle with pornography is so strong, because I tried that. Maybe that's why I'm so frustrated in my soul. I tried that, but did you stick with that? This is so good, y'all. Listen, so, so, so what are some promises for the laborer? This is just something that I hold on to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. What does steadfast mean? It means firmly fixed. Be firmly fixed, immovable, always. Can I get somebody to say always? Always abounding in the work of of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And James chapter 1, verse 4, personifies that basic illustra illustration. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God, listen, I got to go back to this. Look, 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 look. Okay, all right, look, look. So, James chapter 1, verse 4. It says, let, per, let, let perseverance finish. Can I get somebody to say finish? Finish. It's work. So it's like, I, gotta, I have to persevere. Let it finish so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Guys, listen. 
Some of us, there is a light in your soul that's needed, but it's lacking because you haven't persevered with the prayer. A lot of us, there's something that you need in the area of your gift and in your heart, but you cannot receive it because you haven't persevered. And the word of God is saying, listen, when you persevere, you won't lack the stuff I'm trying to send your way. There's some things I know that you need, but you keep giving up. And the enemy knows I can't stop God's principles from working, but I can stop their harvest from coming if I can get them to faint. And unfortunately, a lot of us, this is how you look in your spirit. You keep fainting. You keep fainting. Now look, I don't know how many turns it takes for this light bulb to turn on. Just like you don't know if you just be faithful this time, if you're just faithful this day, if you're just faithful the next day, that's all it took for me to experience do. I was counting that time. It took three. <laughs> but you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know what it's going to take if you keep giving up. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I feel this is coming for somebody's esophagus. You know that you have been complaining about a principle or a promise that you have never seen in your life. And the reason you haven't seen it is not because God is not trying to send it, send it your way. It's because you stop persevering. So, so why aren't we consistent? Number one, we are destiny focused, not journey focused. The reason we keep on giving up is because we are destiny focused. I got to get there. It got to happen. Got to grow. I got to get this. I got to be known. I got to grow this. I got to this. They got to change. I got to change. We are destiny focused and not journey focused. But there is no wisdom in the shortcut. There's no wisdom in the shortcut. God likes to take you and God likes to take me the scenic route. God always chooses the longer path for two reasons. To give your faith muscle and to detox you from Egypt. Exodus chapter 13 verse 17. It says when Pharaoh let the people go. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Right here, you're seeing God's nature. God's like, okay, that's a shorter way, but I'm not going to take them the shorter way. They're not ready for battle that way. I'm going to take them the long way. Now, from reading this passage, I don't know what God was thinking, but I think a few things that possibly crossed his mind was, okay, because the text tells us they're not ready for battle yet. They have been in slavery for years. They're not ready yet. So really, sometimes we don't even recognize us not getting them, us not getting there yet is God actually allowing us to recoup energy. Because of what you just went through was so, so severe, you're not even ready for another fight yet. It's not me punishing you. It's me allowing you to breathe. You need a second. Second thing I think is God's like, okay, you've been, and your bloodline has been, in slavery for years I gotta deal with that appetite I gotta deal with those cravings so sometimes God takes us the longer route not because of anything bad we've done but because I don't want you to take all that stuff 
in your old life, in your new life. So I'm going to put you in a season where nobody knows about you. Nobody knows your name. If you fall, it's not on the news. If you make a mistake, don't nobody post about it. It's not going to end up on the shade room. Ain't nobody going to spill your tea. It's just going to be me and you. I'm going to deal with you in the wilderness. You're going to fall. You're going to struggle. You're going to get back up, but you're going to grow. You're going to fall. You're going to struggle, but you're going to get back up, and you're going to grow. And during this time, I'm covering it because I know who you really are. They can't handle your mess. Jesus has never seen a mess too big and said, that's, that's too dirty. I can't handle that one. He gives us space to grow. Number two, why aren't we consistent? We haven't clearly defined our why. Jerry would do this if you weren't even watching. My why is greater than your I. And until we get a why bigger than people's eyes will keep on feeling inadequate and insecure when we don't have enough eyes watching us because your why isn't clear. My why is for the glory of God, not for the glory of man. What is your why? Okay. Number three, the reason we aren't consistent is because you don't know your competition. You think your competition is people, but your competition is who you were yesterday. You don't know your competition. The competition that Jerry has is being better on today than I was on Saturday. If I didn't pray yesterday, pray more today. If I didn't read the word of God, if I wasn't as nice to my wife as I need to be, I'm going to do better today. The reason we're so inconsistent, you don't know your competition. is the person that looks you right back in the face every single morning. The only person you're competing with is who you were yesterday. Number four, the reason why we aren't consistent is because we haven't understood our patterns, our rhythms, and our systems. Our patterns, our rhythms, and our system. You don't change at the system level. You change at the pattern level because patterns create rhythms and rhythms create systems. When I understand my pattern. I need to set an alarm every single morning at 6 a.m. to get up and pray. Because if I'm not up by 6.30, I'm on Facebook. And if I'm on Facebook, then I'm in the restroom, sitting on the toilet, looking at my phone for at least 15 minutes until my legs start feeling like static. And then after that, I'm walking around on my phone. I need to eat breakfast because I'm trying to eat healthy, but I'm still on my phone. I'm responding to other people. How about this is my pattern? I'm not looking at my phone until after I pray. Not who texts me through the night. Not breaking news. I'm going to pray first. I have scheduled a time in my life. God is not one that I'm fitting in my schedule. He is my schedule. And so when we start having patterns, at 12 o'clock, I got to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. It don't matter if I feel like it and have backup plans. What am I going to do if it's raining? I'm going to jump rope today. Have backup plans to keep your consistency. And that's going to form a system of discipline. Hell knows. I can't stop God's principles from working, but I can stop your harvest from coming if I can get them to faint. So God, would you strengthen our knees? Would you strengthen our back? My knees have to be strong because I'm going to be kneeling so much before you. My back has to be strong because I have a cross that I have to carry. Help me never give in to stop praying and to stop picking up this cross daily so that I could be a representative for your kingdom.
It's not about the harvest, God. It's more about you being good, you being faithful. And I honor you with my life. And I pray that you allow consistency to hit our hearts so that we never live lives feeling as though there's a promise I never received because I never persevered enough to maturity to receive what it is that you have for me to complete a work for my destiny. In Jesus' name, we pray, we honor you, we love you. Amen. Got her done.